Well, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to go ahead and take them and turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And it is in Providence this evening that where Scripture reading had both genealogy as well as our sermon text has genealogy. And you may consider it a hard providence, but it is a good providence. Genealogies in themselves in Scripture are filled with waiting. They are filled with longing. Why do do the people of Israel trace their lineage? Because they were looking for someone. They were looking for someone who would come. Even when you open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles, the first nine chapters, and you read name after name after name, you're like, what is going on in these chapters? And when you realize they're tracing two lines, everything becomes clear from a New Testament perspective. Tracing the line of David, looking for the king, of Israel who would reign over an everlasting kingdom and traces the line of the Levites looking for a better priest who could truly do away with the sins of God's people. And today we come to a passage where the seed of Seth, the godly seed, is traced as God's people wait for the coming of a greater Seth, for the coming of what the New Testament will call the last Adam. Genealogies are extremely important. And you can only imagine that Adam, after, when he had fallen in the garden, he could have never imagined the amount of waiting that he would endure because of the fall. He would spend the totality of his life, as he wouldn't even, we'll see in a moment, he would, have, he would face the fear of the grave with just the one promise of someone coming. He couldn't have imagined that he would plunge the world into a sea of waiting, waiting for an offspring, waiting for the redemption of his bodies, waiting for the end of the conflict, waiting for the end of the curse, waiting, waiting. We all know what it is to wait, don't we? Even today we wait for the redemption of our bodies. And so um, let me pray for us and we'll jump right in to Genesis chapter 5 and uh, we'll see what the word of the Lord has for us this evening. But let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, this is your word. And Lord, we do pray as your people that you might help us to submit to it. Lord, it can be hard, but it is good. And so we pray, come and bless your people to have ears that hear with faith and look to the coming Redeemer and the one who has already come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 5. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pay careful attention to it. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, He created them and He blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Adam were 930 years, and he died. 
When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahaliel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahaliel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Mahaliel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahaliel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahaliel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Amen. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God endures forever. May you write truth on our heart. Well, brothers and sisters, today I have a proposition and two points. The proposition is in your bulletin, and you'll see it there. I want you to behold the waiting of God's people. Behold the waiting of God's people in continual death. And behold the waiting of God's people in marvelous hope. Behold the waiting of God's people in continual death. And behold the waiting of God's people in marvelous hope. See how chapter 5 begins with a statement. Verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, He made him in His likeness, male and female. He created them and He blessed them and named them man when they were created. And diving into Genesis chapter 5, there are myriads of things to look upon. We'll try to look at a few of them as we turn the diamond. A list of the descendants from Adam to Noah is given. To the, from Adam to the great deluge of the flood. The tracing of the seed of Adam up into the point of the destruction of the world. 
But we see more. There's more than is recorded in any genealogy. You see it even in that phrase, we're tracing particular people. Did you see it? In each of these accounts, it has the phrase, and had other sons and daughters. Did you notice? We are tracing a particular people and a particular line and looking for a particular offspring. The Bible lives in a tension of longing. And from Adam through this genealogy, they are looking for someone who would come. And the author knows, Moses knows, because he lives post-flood, that the offspring will come through righteous Noah. And so he traces the line through Noah. And later on, we'll see Noah traced down into the line from which Israel will come. And from that line, we'll see coming down from Judah, the king. And ultimately, we'll see the Lord Jesus. What is looked for in Genesis chapter 5 is one who would come and destroy the head of the serpent and deliver God's people. Well, I want you to notice just this first phrase of chapter 5. Isn't it amazing? He begins it with this phrase, this is the book of the generations of Adam. It's filled with wonder. The book of the generations of Adam, he, Moses as it was, was referencing something. Referencing a book of the generations. It is the only time the word for book occurs in Genesis. And it's almost as though Moses has the genealogy of Adam sitting in front of him and traces it down through Noah. That's semi-speculation, but it is amazing and full of wonder thought just when you read this. The book of the generations of Adam. What book do you refer to, Moses? But a record is made, and it goes man by man. And I want you to see just a lovely thing that the Lord does here. It is amazing that whereas we would not record names, we might just kind of skip over and get to the detail. We might just say, and from Adam descended, and Noah descended from Adam. You might just go that way. But the Lord goes name by name. And just a simple and encouraging observation is that God makes a record of His people. He does not forget and he traces his sons. At the, the last book of your Old Testament, last one written, book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 16, you'll probably remember another book that the Lord made of his people. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. Malachi 3.16, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. The Lord knows his people. In fact, not only the last book written in the Old Testament, but the last book written in the New Testament records the exact same thing. Revelation chapter 20. You'll recall when he says, and then the, John the Revelator, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it and from his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before him and notice, and books were opened. And he says, then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. 
And he says, each one according to what they had done. Then he says in verse 15, and if anyone's name, notice, name, was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown to the lake of fire. The Lord knows His people. And He records them by name. It is a great encouragement that though these men would have been forgotten by their contemporaries, they were remembered by their God. And though you may feel forgotten, the Lord does not forget His people. What does Isaiah say? How can I forget you? Isaiah 49, 16. You're graven upon my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Whereas we might not record these men, the Lord does not fail to record them. And it is a great hope for every Christian because the Lord has us written and He will not forget us. But notice this genealogy progress. It says in verse 3, notice Adam goes Adam to Seth, but it says right in this line, verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered his son, and notice this phrase, in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. Adam was made in the image of God, right? Genesis 1, 26. He bore the image of the one who made him. But here we see Adam post-fall. And not only does his seed inherit, yes, by the grace of God, all those things whereby we naturally, in, in, in His common and His lovely special grace as was revealed to these men, they image their Creator. But we also image Adam. There is, there is the aspect that all of his descendants were not only partakers of the divine nature, in the communicable way. They were righteous and holy. But they were also partakers of Adam's nature. Did you see the phrase? It comes over and over again. Verse 5, and he died. Verse 8, Seth, and he died. Verse 11, Kenan, and he died. Verse 14, died. 17, died. Eight, nine, 20, died. All these men die and die and die. They had two natures. And they lived in the world and they joined with Adam and they died in the world. All these sons of Adam were not only images, image bearers of God, marred as it was, but they were image bearers of their father, Adam. As the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 15, in Adam, all die. All of them, even Noah later will be recorded, Noah, uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 29, and he died. There is a terror in these verses. I want you to grasp the, 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 the scene. These men had the promise of the Redeemer, and they had the promise of the Savior to come. And they had the promise of this one who would come and reverse the curse and reverse death. But notice, they had the promise also that if you sin, Genesis 2.16, you will surely die. And what hope did they have for them? 
They hoped in the one who would come and would reverse all these things, but what would be made of them? Adam himself would die before Enoch was translated. He would die some 50 years before the translation of Enoch into heaven. And Adam would have died with the promise written upon his brain that you were taken from ash, Adam, and you will return to it. From dust you were taken to dust you will return. These men, though they had promise, would have had terror. Did you notice how long they lived? The length of the men's lives, 930 years for Adam, 912, 905, 910, 895, 962, 365, 969, 777. We're happy with the latter two numbers a lot of the times. These men had three digits of life. Honestly, living the Christian life for 70 and 80 years can be difficult. But these men lived almost a millennia and held to the promise. I can't imagine the manner of grace these men had. Martin Luther commenting on these men, he said, This is the greatest glory of the primitive world, that it had so many good, wise, and holy men at the same time. He said, we must not think that these are ordinary names of plain people. But next to Christ and John the Baptist, Luther in his uh, super language, they were the most outstanding heroes this world has ever produced. And on the last day, we shall behold and admire their grandeur. Likewise, we shall also see their deeds, for then it will be made manifest what Adam, Seth, Methuselah, and others did what they endured from the old serpent, how they comforted and maintained themselves by means of the hope of the seed against the outrages of the world and the Canaanites, how they experienced various kinds of treachery, how much envy, hatred, contempt they endured on account of the glory of the blessed seed who would be born by their descent. These men lived for long periods of time holding fast to the grace of God and the promise made in the garden. It's amazing. You know, it's, what is utterly astounding is that Adam would have lived until 21 years before the birth of Noah. And he would have told every generation of the promise. Every generation of the fall. Every generation of the sin. Every generation of the, the one who would come and he would teach as a prophet and a priest the people. But you may have questions, and it ought to be noted that the length of life in the old world that our lives, and compared to our lives as being short, is supremely because God said our lives would be short, right? Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 3. The Lord, the length of days is not as much biological as it is supernatural. The grace of God lengthens our days. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. These men lived longer. Why? Because God wanted them to. 
We die younger. Why? Because God promised we would. But these men lived and longed for the Savior. It's in every name here, but we're not going through the names particularly. But we have so much more than these men, don't we? These men looked and longed for the offspring, but Christian, what do you have? You have the fullness of this. You have the fullness of the hope of the offspring to come. You have the fullness that we see the destruction of the devil. We see the the doing away of the curse on the cross. We see glorious hope of resurrection in the Lord Jesus Christ. The true, and in Paul's words, last Adam has already come to set us free. And we have been set free. We already not only see it, but we taste it. We taste it every time we hear the gospel, every time we partake of the Lord's table. We see and taste the offspring who's come and destroyed the threat of death and its fear and has set us free from the devil and his tyranny. And if these men held fast for almost a millennia, Christian, can't you hold fast for 70 years? They had one promise. But look at what you have. You have fullness. And so let us hold fast to the promise in the midst of a crooked world. I want you to behold the waiting of God's people in continual death. I want you to behold the waiting of God's people in marvelous hope. As I'm sure you're thinking, I really hope he talks about Enoch. Well, I couldn't get out of the sermon without talking about Enoch. Verse 21 through 24. See the marvelous hope that would have been portrayed to the seed. Verse 21 through 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. The sons of Adam struggled with death. Adam himself, by the time Enoch is translated, has died. Abel has died, and no telling how many other sons and daughters died at premature ages in these centuries. And they had longed for the reign of death to come to an end, but they had no no revelatory answers as to when death and its fear would be put away. They just waited. There's no... There's no surety yet. There's just the surety of the promise. And yet in the midst of these generations, you're struck as you read this, aren't you? As you read through Genesis 5, you see that there's this this one breaks the mold. And and notice the language changes. And, And when you hit... Enoch's narrative, every other person has, and he died, and he died, and he died. And every other person has that so-and-so lived, and he fathered so-and-so, and he lived so many years, and then he died. 
But Enoch's different. When he goes to record Enoch, verse 22, Enoch walked with God. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He stands distinct. No death. He stands as one who not only lived for another world, but one who went to another world. He stands as one who not only possessed a righteous life, as we'll see in a moment, a life of faith, but one who also went to be in a better life. You can imagine that all of the offspring of Adam up to this point had the only revelatory answer they had about what happens after death, that you, you know, your existence, obviously the, the living soul part and the surety of death, the eternality, the, 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 the everlasting existence of the person. But there was no hope. And perhaps you could find some hope when Abel, Abel's blood cries out from the ground. Perhaps you could say, well, he's in the afterlife, right? But that was vague. But here we have a man being miraculously translated out of this world. And how was he translated? Why was he translated? We're told. Enoch, it says, verse 24, he walked with God. And the New Testament, when this is quoted, it says that Enoch pleased God. And Christian, how do you partake of eternal life? Well, we're told. Jesus tells us, right, when he says that God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life. How did Enoch partake of eternal life? Well, we're told. In Hebrews 11, it says that he believed God. And that he, right after Enoch, Enoch pleased God. And this is true. That, and this is the account that if anyone would please God, he must believe that he exists. And so what did Enoch, how did Enoch please, uh, please God? He, he believed in Him. How did Enoch walk with God? He held fast to Him. But you may say, well, surely all these other men did too. Why was Enoch taken? He was taken as one who looked forward to another one who would please God and who would be translated. But the Lord Jesus, you know, John 8, 29, He said, I always do the things that please the Father. And not only did Jesus always do the things that please the Father, but then we see Jesus partaking of a death that He ought not to partake of, right? We see the righteous going to the cross, the one who walked with God, the one who believed God, the one who felt held fast to God, going to partake of a death He ought not to have partaken of. but a death that His people deserved. 
What does the apostle declare? Why did Jesus do this? 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And even so, through Jesus, God will bring with, those, with Him those who have fallen asleep. Why did Jesus go to the cross? It was that you and I might live with the hope of resurrection. That you and I might live with the greater reality of what Enoch pictures and images and realized for Himself here. That there is a day coming when Jesus will come and as we even heard this morning, take us to where our citizenship lies. He'll take us to heaven. And brothers, since He has actually ascended, this is glorious, in John 14, He says, And if I go to my Father, I will prepare a place for you. He has ascended. And so your home is already secure. Heaven is already full for you. And your home is not in progress. It is sure. Jesus has already ensured the new life that you have as a Christian. And in fact, you've already tasted it, haven't you? You already know what it is to love God, to love His people. And one day, we'll see that life in its fullness. And so, if you're holding to to the Lord Jesus, if you're holding fast to Him in faith, I want you to know that Christ's life is your life. When He ascended, you ascended. When He sat down at the right hand of God, you sat with Him. His resurrection is your resurrection. His exaltation is your exaltation. And the life that He gives you is so much better than the life the Canaanites experience in this world. But if you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus as Enoch did, as he looked forward and as we looked back, but if you haven't looked back and held fast to Jesus and His cross, I want you to know that the sons of Cain will seek to make their best life today. And you'll find in this world there's no hope. And the surety of death still exists over you. And Jesus Himself, in His grace and mercy, calls to this world and says, come to me and I will give you rest. And so brothers, sisters, let us wait for the Lord and look to Him in faith. And we'll find that He has all we need. Let's pray.